0: Welcome to the Peach
1: and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all
2: things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host, see. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain.
3: Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could?
0: Player, oh, yeah. It's just like a story house of ideas. Oh jam. Either
1: version.
2: I love both versions. And other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Graham, you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M. from the New Power Generation, listening to the Peach and Black Podcast.
3: Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast.
0: Hi, this is Eden Nelson, you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast.
2: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the infamous, world-famous Peach and Black Podcast. And joining me are the Peach and Black panel player.
0: Me swinging from a brass pole.
2: <laughs> Ooh, Toe Jam.
3: Tasty. <laughs> and Captain. Microphone swiftness is my business.
2: <laughs> Very good. And I'm the egomaniac himself, Rob S, <laughs> in the place to be tonight. And we're about to go deep into an album that I only heard for the first time yesterday. Unbelievable. Just for Going deep
0: into questions. Carmen, are you?
2: No comment. <laughs> we're about to find out. We are gathered here today to review Carmen Electra. Self-titled, the first and only album that Carmen Electra put out on Paisley Park Records. Actually, it was a combination of Paisley Park and Warner Brothers Records at the time. On the 9th of February, 1993, almost 44 minutes of music. Pure bliss. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of segues, or a few segues, and I don't know, about 10 studio tracks or so. We're about to get into this thing called... Carmen Electra. It's funny, isn't it? Every time we refer to Carmen Electra, you don't know whether we're talking about Carmen Electra or Carmen Electra, the (coughs) album. So (laughs) you can think what you want, but uh, hopefully our explanations will do both her and the album justice. I can't believe I'm even saying this. In fact, I can't believe we're actually here today to review this album. (laughs) I can't believe it. Let's just get straight into it. Actually, no. Before we go into that track by track, we do the usual thing where we talk about the context and what was happening at the time uh this is early 93 so in the prince world uh he is definitely at this point enslaved um by warner brothers records according to him it's post act one tour yeah mm-hmm.
3: uh, in the midst of it it didn't come out until 93 sometime but it was done like just like the MPG's yeah. first album, it was done like nine months before that, and just sitting around.
0: Mm. Some of the recordings date back to nineteen ninety one. Wow! So between ninety one and ninety three, there was a lot of hiccups and false starts, and
2: and Carmen Electra, the album was just sitting around on Paisley Park floor.
0: And
1: there was a lot of associated album album releases in um ninety three, heaps of them. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Like in terms of these, mostly the ones was like little one-off tracks. Heaps of stuff was released in '93.
2: We had Golden Ego, which we just reviewed.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had the Celine Dion thing. You had the the superhero thing. I think came out that year. Uh, Mavis, Mavis, Mavis. Yeah, heaps of stuff.
0: Money, Love,
3: George Clinton. Yeah,
2: man, that's crazy. It st- wasn't it the the Steels as well. Yeah,
3: and then you get one eight hundred New Funk. Yeah which is just a compilation of all that. Mm. Was that 93 or 94? 94 it came out. But still around that period. But there was basically a compilation of all those yeah. solo
2: things, all those associated artists. Actually there was even more. There was Candy Dulfer's release. He did a song a collaboration on Kate Bush record. George Clinton released Hey Man Smell My Finger. Now that I think about it, this is craziness. A lot of mm. a lot of Prince associated music around that time, not to mention in 1993, the year The Hits came out, The Hits, The B-Sides. So yeah. uh, basically the context is even though Prince himself didn't come out with a record under his own name, he released a lot of music that year and there was a lot of activity and part of that activity was Carmen Electra. Now, the last thing I think is worth mentioning, for anyone that doesn't know this, Carmen Electra is not her real name. and no. It was... <laughs> The name, <laughs> just, I just want to put it out there for anyone that may not be aware: the artist formerly known <laughs> as Tara Patrick. Yeah, there you go. And and Prince basically gave her that name. So um the Electra part is the giveaway. Like he's, he's used yeah. that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we're not going to go into too much of the rumor mill. Let's just stick to what we do best: we're just talking about the music. This album is. It's basically
3: just a 1992 Prince and the NPG album with guest person rapping slash singing, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But, you know, all the music is either Prince or the NPG or Levi, just that whole band. So if, if you want, you can just tune out Carmen and you've just got a 92 album from that great band, which is a good thing.
2: But why would you want to do that, Captain? Oh Why would no. you want to tune out Carmen Electra? Well, I've heard
3: people are saying she's not the best rapper on the on the planet. <laughs> so, but Captain, my CD tells me it says she is inevitable. She is addictive. This is our
1: future. This is Carmen Electra.
3: I'm, I'm sure she is addictive. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll find out
2: by the end of this review. We'll see how addictive this whole thing is.
1: Uh, we should also quickly point out as well, like there was a, a fairly widespread misprinting of the album when it came out. And um, yep. it looks like Player and I, the version we have is the incorrect track list version and Ooh. Captain Captain's official CD is the correct pressing with the correct track list. So that's interesting because hmm. the, the one I've got here in front of me has a, a few songs that uh, remain unreleased and the lyric booklet actually includes the lyrics to those songs, which is interesting. Bootlegger alert! <laughs> no, this is no bootleg. This is just um, no, this okay. is official. This is an official pressing that was fairly widespread that had the incorrect tracklist. So, I mean, one can only assume that what's on there is like a, you know a proto tracklist that was changed at the last minute.
0: Yeah, because it was it took so long to come out. It it looks like that this version may have been the first version. The actual disc inside is the correct version it's just the back cover and the booklet that are incorrect
2: uh so this cd itself doesn't have the extra tracks that the booklet proclaims it to have okay
1: which is interesting that makes me just think like okay they printed all these booklets and then when it came time they changed the track list and i thought well do we need to print the the booklets again nah stuff it just give them the old (laughs) ones no one will know (laughs) who's going to buy this album (laughs)
2: Yeah, only until Peach and Blake officially review the album in 2017 does anyone actually notice.
0: (laughs) So some of those tracks that aren't on the release, uh, well, the first track is called "Power from Above." Second track is (laughs) "Carmen on Top," hello, which was supposed to be the original title of the album. Uh, Track nine is called "Powerline." So there's some of the tracks that are listed but don't feature on the CD. Interesting. Mysterious.
1: <laughs> I'm just l- reading the lyrics of Carmen on top and the chorus goes, Carmen, Carmen on top. Carmen, Carmen on top. Carmen, <laughs> Carmen on top. Then the first verse, <laughs> the first verse is, I have got a bone to pick.
2: <laughs> is it just me or am I, am I the only person who was, as you were saying that, thinking a certain thing? Like when you say that really, really quickly, like really quickly. <laughs> It sounds like something else, right? Is it just me?
1: No comment. There's going to be a few no comments through
2: this show. (laughs) (laughs) player. You were about to say it's kind of like something, but I don't know if you... What are you going to say?
0: Basically, what I was saying before, it kind of looks like that that was going to be the original album. And with all the changes, they just kept the booklet and just pressed a whole heap of CDs and put them in the packaging. Just exactly what Tojen said.
2: Fair enough. Okay, so let's get into the... Music on this record, track number one, Go Go Dancer. Yeah, I'm the Go dancer.
0: Go dancer.
2: dancer. And I'm not going to do this for every song, but I just have to say, written by Prince, Tony M, and Carmen Electra, and the first person to talk about this. Is Captain.
3: This is the first song on the album, and it's really just your typical early 90s thing with the drum breaks and those stabby piano parts that bloody every song had. I never knew why everyone said Carmen wasn't great. Similarly, to the reason I never understood why people said Tony M wasn't great. I really like the sound of her voice. <laughs> like, even on this first track, it just sounds good. I don't know why, I just like it. But this first song, it's, it's not a great song, but there's a cool little guitar solo at 142. And you can look at the album credits. It's got lyrics by Carmen and Tony M. All music by Prince, so you know that's him on the guitar that comes in. And another weird thing in the liner notes was Kathy J does backing vocals, usually just on the horns, but she's credited with backing vocals. I think that's the first time I've ever seen her listed for that.
0: That's Kathleen Johnson, which is Kirky J's sister. It's not Kathy (laughs) J. Doesn't it say Jensen or Johnson? Johnson. It's Johnson. It's Kirky J's sister.
3: Oh, it's Johnson, not Jensen.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> there you go. I think maybe we should put this one to bed this week.
2: Put Carmen Electra to bed.
0: Yes, please. No, put Cap to the bed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is is that all you had, Captain? <laughs>
3: <laughs> this song, it's okay. It's It's a decent intro to the album. And just to blow um, MC's head off from memory, remember what happened last time, look at the publishing again. Mac Dog Productions. Mmm. Interesting. Carmenese
2: music. Well, that's obviously Tony M's registration then. Yeah, probably. Trying to get some of that Carmen Electra money. Go-Go Dancer. Tone Jam, what are your thoughts on Go-Go Dancer, the opening track and the first single?
1: The first thing I think of when that sound starts is it reminds me of when I had my entire Prince collection on my iPod and that sound would come on, that ding, and I would immediately press skip. So I. <laughs> um, that's not a reflection of the song. That's just a reflection of the fact that I'm not generally in the mood to listen to it. So when that sound comes on, I automatically. It just reminds me straight away of reaching for the iPod and pressing skip.
2: Hmm. That's a good memory.
3: Yeah, nine out of ten times when it would come on, I'd just skip it straight away. You know that sound you're talking about is very similar to the sound of the cymbal. Yeah, there you go.
1: It's his name. It is. It was was one of the names he was going by.
3: And that's the only actual visual thing we've ever heard of it. There we
1: go. Uh, anyway, so I've written, it's it's basically a remake of Thunder, I, like musically. It's basically Thunder redone. It's got that melodic minor thing, lots of like, orchestral stabs, that very thick beat with all the little go-go sounds and uh, the guitar solo with the string backing stuff. To me, I just think this is just a redo of Thunder and with Carmen Lecter doing rap over the top and, and a chorus that's obviously a bit different. Uh, you got the Game Boys doing some chants in the background. You've got, I mean, the guitar's probably the best thing in it, just listening to the guitar solo and Prince's little interesting composition things that he does on the guitar. But that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the stronger tracks on the album, I guess. But like I said,
3: it's fairly skippable also. This was one of the big singles, which didn't do much at all.
1: I think I've got one of the singles of this. I think Go Go Dance is the single I've got, and it's got like six or seven
3: versions, a 12-inch mix and everything. Yeah,
2: it's a bunch of remixes, yeah. But they all
0: sound samey.
2: You bought it? I think I've got it somewhere. Man, you guys were way deeper into this sort of stuff than I thought. Uh, We're We're
0: deep in the common, all right.
2: Big time, because not only did I not hear this till yesterday, I'm talking to you guys who are throwing up, I got the single version from early 90s, bought it at a thrift shop, (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I found it on an LP or something like like two dollars in a store, and I was like, "Oh, that's got a Paisley Park logo on it." I might as well pick that
2: up. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: two <Toodle-o>. dollars.
2: <laughs> Paisley Park record for two bucks, deal of the century. Uh, player, what are your thoughts on Go Go Dancer?
0: <sighs> yeah, it's um like this was I think originally recorded in November 1991, so uh, and then it got released as a single like mid. 92 and then the album came out in 93 so you know this is kind of like really stretched out yeah and it's just really it's just like a, a standard dance track you know very reminiscent of early 90s dance at the time sort of fitted in with that apparently there's a sample in it of sister sledges lost in music i can't hear it in it even though it's not credited um i think money love is doing the background vocals but like some of the way that Carmen raps on this song. It sounds like Money Loves Flow. So I don't know if she was like a ghostwriter on this. I know she appears in the video. She's at the start of it where Carmen's doing the gymnastics and she's sitting <laughs> on the benches at the side. Well, she wrote a bunch of raps on this album. Yeah, but it's it's just a standard, standard track. In the original pressing that Toe I have, it's the closing track. So it went from being the last track to the opening track is interesting but yeah for me it's, it's it's an okay song
2: but it's nothing like crash hot about it not not a mind blowing album opener by any means uh, blows something but. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't believe what I was listening to at first again and this is the last time I'll say it but I only heard this a day ago
0: <laughs> you got to give it more spins that's what it is
2: <laughs> my jaw fell to the floor I couldn't take it seriously I mean this is Really bad early 90s dance music. And some would argue that early 90s dance music was bad in and of itself. But there's a deep breath before I go into the rest of this. It, the lyrics are terrible. The song goes nowhere. It go go goes nowhere. You would think and hope that the first single off the album would be the best piece of music on this record. And this isn't. So there's really nothing for me that's redeeming about it. I don't want to be overly critical, so I will say one thing that I... I don't know if this will blow anyone's mind, but I actually truly think this. Carmen's rapping is not that bad. Like, it's way better than I thought it would be. Keeping in mind, I had no idea she could even do this sort of thing. Like, the lyrics are terrible, but her flow is okay. Like, half the time, I think I'm listening to salt and pepper on the verses. So it can't be that bad if she's pulling that off.
0: That's why I think Moni Love had something to do with it because it sounds very similar to her style. Like It sounds like Moni Love spit it out and she's just copying the way that she did it. That's what I get from it.
2: Well, even if what you're saying is right, I think the the flow's not bad. So um, props to Carmen for, you know, she may not have uh, Carmen up with the rhymes. I know, that's terrible, but she did well with them. (laughs) You spent
3: more time writing these puns than you did listening to the album, didn't you?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> and bad puns they are too. What's worse, the puns or the or the music on this song? So Prince's guitar is cool on this. I have to say it's very diamonds and pearls sounding. Uh, his the the filters that he's using are, are really cool. That's that's a nice, I guess, a redeeming feature. And his guitar, I have to say this. It, in parts of the song, his guitar sounds like it's ejaculating to me. And I, I don't blame him, but I, I'm just saying, like, it's very reminiscent of, like, a guitar player who's, like, s- I don't even know how to explain this. Like, yeah, just not leave really it there. Even- <laughs> yeah. Okay, next
3: song. <laughs> no, I've got to say about Toe Jam's point that this is sort of a remake of Thunder. I never heard that, but now that he said it, I can hear it. Mm
0: yeah, you can hear it, yeah.
1: It's like the same sounds. It's the same sort of scales. It's mm. like the bass is doing a similar kind of thing.
3: And even the guitar solo. It's not as
1: good as Thunder, but it's not far away from it.
3: And it's not the only track on this album which is, you know, basically a remake of another one of his older tracks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm.
3: So it's interesting that he was doing that. Like this one, I think a lot of people wouldn't pick up on Thunder, but the other track we'll get to later is extremely obvious
2: that it is let's go into track number two it's barely two minutes it's called good judy girlfriend
0: there ain't no other junk that you want to do all you need is judy she's good for you and i want to take some liberty here and just quickly
2: open up with this what the heck is this <laughs> like seriously what in the actual heck am i listening to I'll tell you what it is It's the oldest track out of every track on this album Okay I'm glad you said that instead of saying something positive about it I mean this is like mashing Mario Brothers And probably from a timeline perspective Mario Brothers might have been around at the time It's like mashing the Mario Brothers theme music With bad early 90s New Jack Swing rap style And vanilla ice on top just for some (laughs) cream I mean this is total (laughs) skipper Some of the segues are better than this. I will never listen to this again. (laughs) Next Uh, (laughs) player, Um. like it's barely two minutes.
0: Apparently, it was intended for the '89 version of "Raven to the Joy Fantastic." How that fits into that kind of love, sexy rave sound, uh, uh, you know, it's beyond me.
3: It had to have been fairly different.
0: Yeah, have to be very different. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, musically, there's not a lot here It's, I mean, it's a drum beat and some samples thrown in The really thing that I like about it Is those Minneapolis sound style synths That just stabs every now and again And it's only very brief But it's like, oh yeah, that's nasty Like I like that part of it
2: But everything else I could do without Toe Jam, your thoughts on this one?
1: Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we know what we're in for <laughs> It reminds me of the song Makeup from the Vanity Six album in that it's kind of experimental. It's kind of trying something different. It's sort of minimalistic, but there's a lot of interesting beat stuff happening on. There's reverse drums at the beginning. There's a drum sample that plays through. It's a very skippy kind of drum pattern. Just like in Makeup, you've got some weird synths going on. You've got those Minneapolis sawtooth stabs. At one point, there's the real classic... Probably the most famous synth stab Minneapolis thing you can get. I've written here the last 10 seconds there's some really cool bass in the last 10 seconds and it's kind of like oh i wish that kept going but it doesn't but yeah this is very forgettable very skippable it's sort of a experimental kind of thing but it just kind of sounds like noise
2: Hmm.
3: captain it's really just filler that's all it is he just looked in the vault and he's like what can i fill out another couple of minutes with this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this this is definitely the most skippable track on this album. It's my least favourite. Unlike MC, I will listen to it again, like now and then, just to remind myself.
2: How much you don't like it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Y- you've got to do that every now and then. I've got nothing to say about it. Fair
2: enough. Let's go to some more music. Track number three, it's called Go On With Your Bad Self. Oh, yeah. I'm really, really tempted to start this off again, but I don't want to hog the mic. So uh, I'm going to hand this over to Jam. Uh First thing
1: I've got written is Eric Leeds. Mm. Um, he's on this track, and he's the highlight for me. There's, he does a solo in this that's a great solo. It's a cool note towards the end of it. You've got Tony M in this one doing some of his raps. It reminds me a lot of The Sex of It, a song that Prince released through Kid Creole. And it sounds to me kind of 87-ish. It has that 1987 sound to me. There's a sample of James Brown going, "Which your bad self, which runs through the song. Some really thick bass, but it's kind of a bit dancey. It's a bit cheesy, that bass line, but it's very deep.
3: It's very deep. Deep cheese.
1: <laughs> There's some cool little keyboard bits, which actually reference the song Hot Thing. Bump, bump. Bump, 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 bump Happens towards yeah. the end of the song Oh, that's what it was And, um, you know, you've got that The sex of it sound You've got the Eric leads All of these things kind of make me think Is this like an 88 Like an 87, 88 outtake That's also been reworked Into sort of the, more of that big beat Early 90s sound, potentially There's a horn line at 310 And it sort of goes on a lot And I know that's from something else And I can't think what it is Does anyone know the one I'm talking about? It's just like a little chromatic bit i know the bit but i couldn't think what it was from mm. but i mean overall this one's not too bad this one's kind of I, I find this one a bit more listenable uh it's fun it's playing around it's it's a nice major key sort of thing it's bluesy it's not too bad this one i can listen to this one and that's my review <laughs> okay
2: captain what do you think about this
3: <laughs> what a review i can listen to this one <laughs> that's my review <laughs>
1: yeah I don't automatically reach for the skip like I do for some of
3: them hmm. okay this is a good song you know it's not a complicated Prince track that we're used to but for this album it's just a good party song uh, it starts off with that funky bass which I'm guessing Sunny T because this is all NPG and the horns and you've got the James Brown sample and you hear Tony M right at the start so you know it's going to be good right he's right there <laughs> I like the synth bit as well Toad Jem already said and i like the synth bit that replaces the bass at 109 and 201 just for a little bit and then the bass comes back in but there's a cool little synth bit there i really like the raps in the verses toe jam said eric leads on sax comes in 216 good solo he does i think mc might want to check out the lyric book because <laughs> who <laughs> who I'll just talk to anybody. I'm going to stop doing that. Sorry. i sorry. Because this blew your head off last time we saw this. There's a few tracks on this album publishing by MacDog Productions. Oh,
2: not again.
3: Slash and some Michael Anthony music. And my theory, are you ready? My theory is Michael Anthony music. Michael Anthony Mosley. I say that's Tony M. That's my theory. Prove me wrong. We'll have to ask him. Okay.
2: When we get on the show, next time we'll ask him. Simple. Done. Deal. Solved.
3: (laughs) Okay. There's still more. Additional production by one of my great guys, Keith Cohen. KC, who did work on one of the greatest Prince tracks ever, Do Your Dance, KC's Remix. (laughs) (laughs) And this sound, this track just sounds better because he's there. I don't know what he did, but it sounds better. I just know it. Uh, typical little um, Levi funky guitar licks at 308. I like that. This is definitely one of the better tracks on the album. Oh, man. Especially coming after Good Judy Girlfriend. It's a big step up.
1: That's a good point, actually. Like coming out of Good Judy, it actually makes it sound better than it might actually
2: be.
3: Oh, no, it's good. It is good.
2: Okay. That's it. I don't want to spoil the party, but Carmen. After Good Judy Girlfriend, another terrible early 90s song based around a great James Brown sample. This is a terrible song. Really, what what is this? Again, what am I listening to? Why am I listening to this? I'm only listening to it because we're reviewing the album. I, I have no inclination to ever listen to this again. The only worthwhile part of this song is the funky horns, but that's because it's the hornheads. Every single note the Hornheads have ever played on any it's magic. piece of music that they ever recorded is freaking amazing anyway. So that doesn't count. You can't just have a shit song, put the NPG Hornheads on there and just automatically save the day. Now, sometimes that happens, but not this time. They make it a bit funky, but too bad that the rest is filler. Another terrible track. Player, go on with your bad review, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, it's okay, but like, it doesn't excite
0: me as some of the other songs on this album. Like, there's nothing bad about it, but it just seems, m- musically, it just seems a bit of a mess. Probably the horns are the highlight, but it just sounds like a gem that Levo and Tony M have come up with, and Tony M gets on it, and there's a bit of karma, and, you know, you got your James Brown samples and stuff. But apart from that, there's nothing, like, that kind of takes me, like... Some of the other songs do, but yeah. But yeah, KC's on it. This is my third favorite track on this album.
2: Cool. Shake's head. <laughs> Shake head emoji. <laughs> After all these years, even though I know exactly what's coming, I still somehow can't believe it. Like I have to pinch myself and say <laughs> things like that. i <laughs> just like, what? How is this possible? Uh, I live in hope. Okay, the next track is called Step to the Mic.
0: Step to the mic, step to the mic, step Step to the mic, step, step to the mic, step Step to the mic, step, step to the mic, step, step to the
2: mic, step. Step to the mic step. And if you didn't know anything about this album, the artist, or anything that we're talking about And you just read that song title, you know it's early 90s <laughs> yep. You know, don't pretend like you don't know You know it It's <laughs> the first time the album gets somewhat funky hmm? The problem is... It sounds like a half-asleep version of the NPG jamming in the studio when they were bored out of their frickin' minds and had nothing better to do. This is another skipper, next. <laughs> well, hmm. Captain, what do you think?
3: You need to listen to this album about 50 more times, and then we'll review it
2: again. I will never listen to this album again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this song, a yeah, funky little guitar intro that just goes through the whole track... And that's probably just sampled as well. It probably wasn't even played. It was just like, played it twice, there you go. Loop it, go. Apart from the rap, there's not much to this one. All music, NPG and the Hornhead, so that's its only saving grace. Even though this was written by Moni Love, Tome the M and the NPG performed this at a rare Diamonds and Pearls after show, which I thought was
2: interesting. The N. Okay. Player, what are your thoughts on stepping to the mic? Yeah,
0: I kind of agree. It's got that funky guitar. It's very sort of jazzy sound and sounds like the MPG debut album. So it's in that vein, but yeah, it's it's kind of repetitive. That groove goes all the way through it. Mm. It's written by Prince Levi and Mooney. So what is interesting is in the Diamonds and Pearls 1992 tour, they were playing like ads for Carmen Electra's album on the screens. Mm. And... Just looking at the CD that Toe Gem and I have, this song's not listed on it at all. And in the credits, Mark Forrester, which is an Australian engineer, doing the initial tracking. So it's dated like April 92 at Platinum Studios Melbourne. So Mm. it sounds like there was a version of Carmen's Electra's album to go. This was recorded somewhere or tracked somewhere on the Australian tour. And then it was added as a late edition because it's not in the original city booklet or listed anywhere. So,
1: Was Carmen Electra at all involved in the Australian leg of the tour? Like, was she there? And- no, so she no.
0: was advertised on the screens, but then when yeah. the Australian
2: tour finished and it went to Europe, she was the opening act in the European okay. Diamonds and Pearls tour. but not for Australia? No. So to answer your question, Toja, no, Carmen Electra's leg was not part of the Australian <laughs> tour. <laughs> Carmen wasn't down under.
1: <laughs> Carmen didn't go down.
0: Yeah, would you like to see... Uh, Carmen Down Under.
1: She can go down anytime.
2: Yeah, right. Maybe
3: 20 years ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't want to see anything Carmen Down Under. <laughs> okay. On that note, Toe Jam, take it over.
1: I really like the intro with the funky guitar, the scratch mm. guitar. That's the best thing of the song. And it's kind of annoying when you, when you hear that and you think, oh, this this song's funky, this song's funky. And then, no, it's not. <laughs> it's kind of atonal, this song. Like, it seems like all the different instruments are in, like, a different key or something. Like, it's just sort of a, a wash of sounds. There's lots of scratches going on, like, in the left and right speakers, mm. like, two decks going on at once. So, I've, I've just written it sounds like a wash of scratches, which is kind of
0: interesting. There's a lot of that on this album in general.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Scritchy scratch. There's some really low bass rumbles. Again, they're, they're so low, they don't really establish a key or anything. So. I mean, it's kind of interesting as a soundscape, but the rap is very forgettable. I've just written here, to the beat, to the beat, to the beat. I just remember that, that happened at one
3: point. <laughs> Step to the mic and taste <laughs> the hype. It's manifested. Oh, it's a good rap. <laughs> there's something about the Carmen lecture
1: and the rapping. I know Captain's tried to stick up for her, but her voice for me, after like two tracks, it starts getting really annoying. And I think there's a degree of like pretentiousness there's a degree of naivety of thinking that she's better than she is or something. And I don't want to blame her, but it, it just seems really forced. It doesn't seem natural to me. Just go ahead and say it. It sounds whack. Yeah. It, just, <laughs> it doesn't sound natural. just It sounds like she's practiced these lines a lot and so she's, she can articulate them well. And it doesn't sound natural. That's all I can say. And her voice, I find, gets annoying after a while because it's just so monotonous. You lose track of what she's saying and it's just this wash of this voice going over the top. But what a voice.
2: Some people feel that way about our show, but yeah. <laughs> I do understand that you're talking about the Carmen Electra review.
1: I don't like personally singling out people, but it's hard to get into this album because of that.
0: Thinking about it, like a lot of female MCs at the time, sort of wrapped in that style, like Yo Yo and Queen Latifah, and if you think of rappers around this era, that's the kind of style that they did. So you know, maybe it was just like a trend thing. But yeah,
2: yeah, it's certainly dated. It hasn't dated very well at all. Hey, Player, who was that other rapper around? At the, and I don't know if this was slightly before maybe this era in hip-hop. Was it MC yeah, Light? MC Light. Yeah. Female? yeah, MC Lights. Yeah, MC Lights. Is Carmen Electra biting on MC Light's MC style? Light MC what was doing here? like a speaking rapper. Um uh, okay.
0: Yeah, like the, all the girls sort of had like this kind of yelling, make a noise kind of, you know, be on the same level as the guys kind of thing, so...
2: It's coming more like a, a pump up the jam, pump it like that kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe not no? that. But.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe not that bad.
2: You know the analogy of wolf in
1: sheep's clothing. It's kind of like the opposite of that. A sheep in wolf's clothing.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess
1: you could put it that way. <laughs> it's like you know she's this precious little bunny rabbit trying to be something aggressive, <laughs> and it
3: just doesn't sound natural. Oh. But see, Jam, I know what you're saying, but that just reminds me of several interviews where Sheila talked about when Prince first wanted her to sing on an album, and she's like, yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable doing that. I can't sing. And this sounds like exactly the same mm-hmm. situation, and he's just like, no, no, you can do it. Just go for it. Yeah.
2: And this is the result. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, God. I have to say, like, as I said earlier... I mean, her rapping is way better than I thought it would be as a first-time listener.
1: But it's very hard to listen to a full album of it. That's the problem. Like, you listen to one song now, and then you go, yeah, she's not too
2: bad. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. A whole album of it just gets very grating. Yeah, grates on the ears. Okay, so with that, we go to a ridiculously titled song. It's hardly a title. It's two initials, and it's S-T. Mm. Skin time.
0: My
2: name. Time. This is mine, baby. Tony M raps on this While Carmen does her best to sound sexy And you know what I'm kind of turned on <laughs> I have oh, to God. admit This song <laughs> Carmen comes back uh, She comes back into this record And really does something Like the vocal is sassy the bass line throughout the whole song is basically a rip derivative of Skin Tight, the song Skin Tight by Ohio Players, and clearly the ST stands for Skin Tight. But that's about it. Carmen's sounding sexy, and I am listening closely. <laughs> Captain.
3: Intro by Damon D. Damon Dixon. You rarely hear his voice, so I thought that was interesting just to hear him there. Uh, written by Carmen and Tony M. Again, there's not much to this track except for the raps. Hornheads are, I think, credited on this track but you barely even hear them. I don't even recall what they did on this track.
1: They're playing the skin-tight horn line as well. So they're basically just covering skin-tight with some raps over top.
3: But wasn't that just the sample or did they actually play it? I don't know. I didn't really notice. i
0: will have to have another listen. They're probably just doubling it.
3: Yeah, the horns that I heard sounded like samples so that's why I thought the Hornheads weren't actually there, but maybe they were just playing the exact same thing. I think Prince really liked the original version of this song.
0: Yeah, he played it a lot. Because
3: over many, many years, just like every now and then, he'd just pull it out like at an after show or something.
0: <laughs> the song.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just, I I knew it. I just knew you couldn't resist that one. I'm sorry. A few other songs, like I Got My Mind Made Up, just songs that he like didn't play that often, but they would have been the songs that he was playing in like Champagne and Grand Central. Yeah. Because they're the songs that were around. He knew those songs inside out. And just every now and then, they'd turn up at an after show and you'd be like, oh, wow, interesting. But this song, it's not one of the best on the album. I'll just say one more thing. There are so many samples on this album. Yeah. Mm. Like, pretty much every track has some sample of something. Whether it's James Brown or Eddie Murphy later on, or even Prince tracks directly. There's just so many things, like, lifted from other places. And again, we, we talked about this before. He wouldn't put this on his own album, but on a side project, he can do this sort of stuff and not really have to worry about it. I mean, he did use samples a little bit here and there, but on this album, there's just so many. It's crazy.
2: You're right, Captain. He, he just put it out there, Carmen put it out there, and they don't have to worry about it. The job of worry is given to us. <laughs> we have to review it, we have to sit through it, we have to talk about it. And that's what we're doing right now, Toe Jam. What are your thoughts on ST? Well, like I said, it's
1: basically just a cover of Skin Tight with some wrapping over the top. The bass and the horns are basically playing the Skin Tight riffs. Uh, it's a duet with Tony M, which is kind of interesting. A wash of scratches again. you got left and right speaker, lots of disc spinning going on. There's a reference to being willing but able. Again, Diamonds and Pearls reference. I've just written two lyrics here that just stood out to me. One of them, I think, is... I had to listen to it a few times, but I think it says, she wants a man who wets a hole with high regard. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting lyric. Is that in the lyric book? It might not be, but that's what I hear when I hear it. <laughs> The other one that is kind of on turning is where she's like, pardon me while I make a withdrawal. <laughs> a
2: withdrawal? Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> and that turns you on. <laughs> it's, well, it's unexpected. It's a surprise. It's like, ooh, okay. Interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> withdrawal? <laughs> I want to know where that deposit was. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway. Let's get out of this. Thing. Let's move on. I've
3: got to say, that there's one lyric, yes, only because I was looking in the lyric book. There's
2: one lyric I really like in this track. Ooh, guys, notepad, time and date, time and date, captain with a lyric reference that he enjoys. <laughs> He's paying attention to the lyrics. Wow. Only because I was reading the lyric book, but here it is.
3: Let's go. Those skin tight britches, busting stitches. That's just a good line. Uh, it's short, but I like it. Oh yeah, Of course. Make me want a clown <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I just found that lyric I was thinking I completely wrong. I thought so I didn't think that was in there
2: you filthy, filthy dog
1: patience baby, a man
2: who waits, I hold with high regard <laughs> 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 uh, you really you really took that and made it work your, your <laughs> made it worth your while didn't you I like your version
1: better. <laughs> <laughs> The
2: 90s are here. What do you most fear? It surely ain't my buddy because I got you grinning from ear to ear. It's horrible. You know what the problem with that lyric is? I can imagine Prince singing that at some point. That's my problem with that lyric. Yeah. Kind of like for you naked, I would dance a ballet. Is that how it goes? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Play R. S. T. Tell us something. Well, see, this is the thing. Like, this is the thing. Let me tell you what's wrong with this track. <laughs> That's not a good start to a review. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you pick up the CD and it says "St," like I'm not even home yet to listen to it, I'm thinking, "What's this about?" Like, "Sexy Time." Yeah. See, this is the thing. Like, with a Prince song, when he uses initials like "P Control" or "Sexy MF," you think, "Oh, it's it's some sort of swear word." Like, what is it? And it's just "Skin Tight." So, I think maybe it was done like that to not confuse it with the original "Skin Tight." Like, uh, this is a cover. Do you know what I mean?
3: Maybe Prince was way ahead of his time, and it was like a, a cover of a, like Mel Gibson singing "Sugar Tits." Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what this could be?
2: <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Wow.
0: <laughs> keep it going, brother. Um, yeah, like you guys said, it's a duet. It's got this back and forth thing between Tony and Carmen. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. And that sounds. Well, <laughs> Life Imitating Art or whatever they call it. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving, nothing to see here, that, folks. That's a similar style of rap of, of that time. Um, I'm thinking uh, Positive K's, I've Got a Man. Um, although that song was recorded... This song was recorded first and that was released afterwards. But anyway, it's just something of its time. It's leaning heavily on the samples, but it just seems like it's their modern day version of it, but you know, you can't beat the original. Alright,
2: alright, alright. Now this album's about to heat up. It's gonna get lukewarm fire, if you ask me. The next track <laughs> The next track is called Fantasia Erotica.
0: Fantasia.
2: What a subtle title, eh?
0: It sounds like a porno...
2: (laughs) A what player?
0: Like an, I don't know, blow-up doll box or something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Wow. Okay, let's get into it. Don't hold back, guys. I mean, you've been pretty tamed thus far. Let's just get straight into this. Fantasia Erotica, Toe Jam.
1: Uh, I think this has probably been my favourite song on the album. What? Oh, my God. Just because it's a bit different, I think. It's it's dancey doesn't have that sort of try-hard, yo, I'm a rapper kind of thing. It's it's more <laughs> of a floaty kind of song. It starts with the same sort of sound as Good Judy Girlfriend. It sort of reminds me of Space and a few of those other songs from that era, from that time. A bit of light reverb on the background snare. Uh, there's some cool bass. The bass is moving quite prominently and the, the verse and the chorus move quite slow. So there's a bit of contrast there between those two sections. The verse is quite circular, which is kind of interesting. Again, it gives it this whole kind of floaty kind of feel. Speaking harmonies I've written here, Mm -hmm. interesting lyric. This to me sounds like it could have come from like a Madonna album or something, even the title.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, it does. eh?
0: It it
1: just seems a bit less pretentious, this one. It's a bit more playful, a bit more floaty. Uh,
2: I kind of like it. I can listen to this one. Mm, interesting, interesting. I think we're learning a lot more about you, Toe Jam, as the show goes on. <laughs> <laughs> you put all the pieces together, creates quite an interesting picture, player. What are you? Are you digging this, like, like Toe Jam? Uh, I don't
0: dig it, but I get the same sort of feeling. It's a very spacey and um, it's got that spacey feel opener with all the synths, and then it's got that thumping kick drum, and it sounds like typical '90s dance. Um, reminds me of something of D-Light's second album, Dewdrops in the Garden. And this was supposed to be for Anna Fantastic. Dates back to 89. So, you know, they probably took it and remixed it and put a whole heap of keyboard bass over the top and <laughs> made it really sort of that techno-ish kind of dance kind of thing. But, you know, it has those floaty kind of moments with those airy synths. So uh, compared to all the sort of hard-hitting rap and samples and stuff, it does sort of stand out as something different on the album.
2: Hmm. So the comments getting getting better by this stage of the album. It's almost like the album's starting to have a bit of a second wind. Did it have a first wind? I don't know. I'd call it more of a gentle breeze. (laughs) This is the best track on the album so far. Oh,
3: lucky you qualified that. Maybe
2: the best track on the album. So far. (laughs) Maybe the best track on the album, but I'll say so far. This actually sounds like a banging club track from this period. All the other early 90s dance pish is pretty forgettable. In fact, very forgettable. And this may not be so memorable, but it's solid. Like it's a banging club track, as I said. It's a dance floor filler. It's not filler. It's a dance floor filler, if you follow me. This is a good attempt at the kind of... Getting Carmen and Prince and whoever else is on this track to replicate and spice up the sort of sounds that were coming out of the early 90s dance scene. And I think they succeed. Like, this could have actually been a hit, like a mega hit. For one reason or another, it wasn't. Uh, Maybe Captain can tell us a little bit more about why that was. Captain, what are your thoughts on Fantasia Erotica?
3: Just like Go Go Dance, that this was pushed to be a big single, and it had like a whole bunch of remixes. There was at least seven or eight remixes of it. Yeah. And again, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. All the music done by Prince, but there's nothing really interesting to me. Bad drum programming. You know, it's just early 90s stuff. Noise. (laughs) Which... Wasn't hmm. there? There was some good stuff, but this doesn't remind me of the good stuff. Hmm. Uh, Hornhead samples. It sounds like samples again. I don't know if they're actually playing on this track. It sounds like samples. Uh, there's some scratching. More James Brown samples, and um, yeah, it reminds me of Madonna just because of the name. But you know, this was written way before her track, as far as we know.
2: No, Ma- Madonna's track. Oh, an album came out before this,
3: didn't it? Well, that her album came out the same week as Symbol album, Love Symbol. It came out in October '92, mm. but this track was originally like
2: '89 or something. So, ah, uh, I get you. Okay, written, yeah.
3: But um, the other interesting thing was some of the remixes were done by um, Junior Vasquez, who also did Vasquez, uh yeah. Rounded Round on Graffiti Bridge and totally. Yeah. Change that track for the better, I think. Mm, I agree. So that's interesting. He's, he, he came back again. Yeah, there you go. But let's move on to the best thing on this album. Are you sure? <laughs> a thousand
2: percent. All right. We're about to find out. Uh, the next track is called Everybody Get On Up. Questions now
3: Tell no lies. Can't get up. Just the I'm a, dance, I'm a dance, tell
2: I'm just going to take the opportunity only because of what Captain said. I feel like it's a good segue from his comment to my comment. Uh Uh-oh. What the heck (laughs) am I listening to? What? What is this? If you've heard Cream, this song means nothing. It's insignificant. It does nothing for me. Clearly, it's a precursor to Cream. I've never heard this before, but when I did, I was like... So tempted to pull out my Diamonds and Pearls CD and listen to Cream again, because that is masterful. This is woeful. This is like, it's an instrumental tryout with some cymbal horns and salt and pepper on the mic again. I have to say, from the positive tip, Carmen rips shit up on the verses here, big time. Where was this all along? It's always been
3: here. You just never listened to it until yesterday. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> she's spitting and, and making making stuff happen with, uh, with a wordplay. I don't know. I mean, I know everyone after me is going to go, you know, this song is funky. But yeah. I think if anyone says that, it's only because it's pretty funky in comparison to everything else on this album. I have to admit, I was bobbing my head at some point, and I was going, man, this is actually pretty funky. But I stopped myself. I was like, Rob, be true to yourself. Don't fall in the trap. A somewhat kind of trying hard to be funky song on a ridiculously whack album doesn't mean this is a funky piece of music. Control yourself. Take stock. Don't get out of control here. This stuff just doesn't work for me.
1: So what you're saying is you're suppressing your inner feelings. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm not allowing this song to he's saying is
3: He did really like this track, but he's like, no, I've got to disagree with everyone on the show on some track, so let's choose this one.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay, okay, you found me out. There's some nice keyboard solos on this. The light guitar tone sounds pretty cool. It kind of is sort of maybe, possibly a little funky, but really I come back to what am I listening to? This is the question. Why would I ever listen to this again when I can just jam to the hit single Cream from 91 and pump that jam up any day of the week? Because this is about 50 times better than Cream. No chance. I would take this over Cream any day of the week. This is nothing like Cream. Man, everybody else get on the mic, because I'm <laughs> done. Uh, mic drop, boom, <laughs> player, take it over.
0: Yeah, I don't see the connection between this and Cream. Like, Oh, it's there, it's there. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cream sounds like Get It On. Oh, it does too, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is MPG, you can hear it. It's based off the Esquire's Get On Up track from the 60s. It's kind of sampled and there's elements taken and incorporated in the chorus and in the turnarounds. Most notably where you can hear Prince and Song doing the dance, dance, dance part. Yep. And this was recorded between April and May 92 in Sydney. Yep. Uh, features the Eddie Murphy sample, moving. It's very organic, very much in line with the MPG sound at the time. I think I first heard this on the Act One bootleg from New York City. It's in the coda of The Continental. I think he used this rap in the coda of that Every song. night. Yeah, and Prince did that rap. So, But it's a, it's a money love rap, and it seems like a flow and style. So, yeah, I, I really like this song. I think it's cool. I think, MC, you need to just give it a few more spins.
2: I, I want to suppress my, my emotions, player. I, I never want to listen to this again. Captain. This is
3: 4,000% <laughs> my favorite track on this album. Yeah. Like, we talked wow. before about how good some of these 92, 93 tracks sound, like on NPG's debut album as well. Just the sound of the tracks, the sound of the horns. On this track, just everything is so crisp and clear. It's just perfect. There's some really funky bass in this track. Listen to the bass. Sunny T is just having some fun. Every time there's a turnaround, Sunny just does some cool little things on the bass. Uh, 127 is a nice horn solo. Player said you can hear Prince doing the backing vocals here and there. I like when everything like kicks back in. At, uh, it's right on two minutes. And uh, again, the sound of the keyboards. You've got Rosie and Tommy Barbarella on keyboards. That's a cool
0: solo too.
3: It's a great solo. But even better than that is the guitar solo. Kicks off 304. Uh, it's just, how could MC not even mention the guitar solo? By Prince on this track.
2: Well, I did. I said that there's some cool keyboard solos and there's a, a light, airy, breezy kind of guitar tone. Oh, my. I, I give you that. It's not. It's it's that's yeah, pretty cool. But keep going.
3: This song. It sounds so good. I have listened to that track hundreds of times, <laughs> and I'll I'll listen to it hundreds of more times. Um, this song, along with tracks like "Standing at the Altar" and "Peach" and "Cream." And a few others, they're all recorded around this time, and I just love the sound of these recordings, and this track is very, very great.
2: The end. You're kind of making me reconsider the comment I made about never listening to it again, but man, I don't know what people are smoking. Oh, for God's sake.
3: It's the 1992 NPG. How can you not listen to it? It's some good stuff, but I don't know what you guys are smoking. Toe
1: um. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing I've written is Cream. It's definitely just a remake of Cream musically. Like it's got that, dung, 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 dung. It's got that chugging kind of thing. You got the oh kind of sample going through it. Ooh, that's that sounds like Peach. Oh, it is Peach, isn't it? Yeah. Ah. peaches and cream. It's
0: peaches. And yeah,
3: cream. It's peach and cream. It's it's all together.
1: Um, you've got that big turnaround. of... Four, three, two, that's the dance, dance, dance part, which that kind of turnaround's been done a lot. Even in Purple Rain, you know, dun, 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 dun. Uh, there's a Barry solo in there. Does anyone know who does the Barry solo? I don't I don't think it's Eric Leeds. I think
0: it's Kathy J, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Kathy J. Um I agree with Captain there's some cool bass feels. Two ten I've written, there's a really funky bass feel going on there. There's this kind of chugging thing <laughs> which kind of reminds me of House of the Rising Sun. 240, you've got Tommy Barbarello solo, which may be the longest extended solo he's got on record uh, as part of the MPG. Like, you know, most of the time on the Prince ones, there's short solos. This mm. one's a bit more extended, gets a bit yeah. more time on these associated artist things. You've got a Prince guitar solo, which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm pretty much saying the same thing everyone else is. It's just not very... I don't know. It doesn't grab me as being anything special. I'll just say that. But
3: it's not terrible. It's MPG, live in the studio. Yeah, but... Not on their most inspired day. Better inspired than any other day on this album.
2: <laughs> yep. Give you that. I'll give you that.
1: I have to say, like, to say that this is a thousand times better than Cream strikes me as a audacious comment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Cream is a bit slower, but... I'll take that too. It's sort of, Cream, to me, sounds really sort of lazy. And this sounds a lot more energetic. I don't know if that's just the fast rap part of it, but even just the instrumental part of it. To me, sounds better than cream by itself, without even listening to the rap.
2: Coming on, Captain. Coming on. Yeah,
1: I
3: was going to say, I'll point you to the charts, and I'll just <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Billboard charts to be precise. The next track is Segway, Track number eight. Okay, track number eight. Segue, uh,
3: Captain. What do you got? We have to mention that because I'm not sure if this is the first time Prince did this sort of thing on record anywhere. But this flipping through the radio stations thing, which we borrowed for the finale of the greatest Prince songs
2: ever show we did. Which Prince listened to? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just want to make that point clear. It all comes
3: together. So there, that's all. 29 seconds.
1: He also does it on um, the Musicology album and I think something later as well.
3: But was this the first? Hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Was it anywhere before this, though? It might have been. Yeah, who knows? But there's some interesting tracks there. There's some, there's some Moni Love. There's some Celine Dion. All Prince-related tracks. There's a bit of Tony M in yeah, there. It's, it's
0: just a commercial. It's an ad. That's what it is.
3: But for those who didn't know, they'll listen to that and be like, what are these songs? And then they might try and go and figure out what those songs are. It's a cool little ad because it's like a puzzle. If you didn't know that he was, like, writing songs for other people, you'd hear these four or five tracks and you'd be like, oh, okay. And then you'd, you know, not that you could get on the internet back then, but somehow you'd try and find out what those tracks were. It's
2: a cool little puzzle, I think. You're right about this album being a puzzle. <laughs> it's puzzling, to say the least.
0: It's a puzzle saying that these are all the tracks I've recorded that Water Brothers <laughs> won't let me release.
2: <laughs> yes, this is the only place you can hear them. For, for two seconds each. Hear it, yeah. Can I just interject with a complete side note here? And I don't want to open up a huge conversation, but Captain just reminded me with something. He said, how crazy. Or maybe it's not Actually, it's not that crazy because we know Prince listened to the Peach and Black podcast for many years, but it is kind of cool, especially talking about it now because uh, for some reason to me it means so much more these days that Prince heard that particular episode that we recorded around. And that was all based on the fan survey that Mm. as the fan, the Peach and Black listeners and fans voted, the top 20 greatest Prince songs of all time, Prince himself and his entourage listened to that episode and enjoyed it. And we know that, you know, it's just kind of stunning to me. And uh, a great memory. And you know what
3: never occurred to me until right now is he heard that show and obviously heard it to the end which means he heard us cover this segue, that blows my mind. I wonder if he'd listened to that. And he heard like, you know, (laughs) Wedding Feast and Graffiti Bridge and whatever else was in there. And he's like, hang on, what the hell is this? I can just imagine his face when he got to that part. I've never even thought about that until right now. That's bizarre.
2: To be a fly on the wall when Prince listened to that episode. To be a fly on the wall when Prince listened to any of the Peach and Black podcast shows. That would have been kind of cool. We could only imagine what his reactions were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but clearly he recognises the voices and clearly he was a listener. <laughs> was he a regular listener, Captain? I don't know. I wonder when
3: he got to this, to the end of that show, and we covered this, basically, with his songs. I wonder if he thought... They're doing that from, like, Carmen's album? Like, what the hell? It's just weird to even wow, think these about these guys it. are
2: deep. <laughs> Man, they know all the stuff. All right. They <laughs> know where to find Kama Sutra in... Uh, <laughs> in New York City. In Harlem. Okay, let's move on with this review. The next track is Fun. No, no, no. Uh, what I mean by that is the next song is called Fun. That's the title. You know,
3: this is the best life, baby, that you're ever going to get. <laughs>
2: It's not necessarily fun, but uh, we'll be the judge of that. Toy Jam, what do you think? <laughs>
1: uh, I've just written Filler. This is a filler song. Ooh, okay. Probably my least favourite.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Sesame Street kind of boring vibe. I mean, Eric Leeds <laughs> is on there. That's kind of nice. Chorus has Carmen singing doo-doo, which reminds me of the song Free from the GCS 2000 album. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. It sounds like an attempt at a Coke commercial. That's what it sounds like to me. The guitar solo has a sort of Love Sexy era sound. So again, that one plus the Eric Leeds thing and just the song in general. I wonder if this is like an 88 outtake. A lot of these tracks sound like they could be from like 87, 88, 89, but then they've just been revamped to sort of fit this early 90s big beat rap kind of thing. The last five seconds are cool and then it's over and the filler is on to the next track.
2: Are you reading my notes again?
3: Maybe. Maybe. I'm pretty sure I could tell you your notes for every track on this album.
2: (laughs) You possibly could. It's Uh, like, I
3: listened to it once yesterday and I wasn't that impressed and I'll never listen to it again. Next track, (laughs) repeat. I bet you he didn't even listen to it. I bet you just
1: threw it under his bike and rolled over it. (laughs) Uh,
2: player, what do you think of the song, Fun? Uh, I think it's okay. I th- it's Ooh. got that up-tempo vibe about it. Oh,
3: he's doing his best toe jam impression there. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about this one. <laughs> Voice went
0: high there. I don't know. I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> um, this was actually supposed to be the big first single from this album. It going to be wow. this song. <laughs> really? Um, I think... <laughs> Remarkable. I think they actually did release it as a single. It might have been like the third or fourth single. And I think there was a video made that never materialized. I think it leaked on the internet a couple of years ago. But it kind of reminds me of a, like a throwback style song, like Shake on Graffiti Bridge. I don't know. It's cute. It's, it's, fun, it's fun probably for little kids and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> for little kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't... No, Jam said it was a Sesame Street song. Yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> There you go. I'd rather take this over some of those kind of... Even some of these hard-hitting rap things that don't really go anywhere. I'd
2: take this song over those. Okay. This kind of sounds like We March off the gold experience. I don't know if anyone else hears that, but... I never did, but yeah, I've been. Hmm. The thing is, by this stage... And there's a lot of heavy breathing in the background. And yes, that is me. Toe Jam was over the rapping earlier. I kind of stuck with it. I did my best, but I am truly over the rapping by this stage. I don't know how much more I can handle. I don't know how much more I can take. I wonder how much more, Carmen,
3: you can take.
2: Not a whole lot, to be completely blunt. And um, I wish I had a blunt while I was listening to this album, actually, because it really needs it. There's There's a part where this song sounds... There's a reference, I think, now I don't know whether it was conscious or unconscious, but it sounds a little bit like it's referencing David Bowie's song, Fame. When those singers in the background repeat the word, fun, 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 it sounds like fame, 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 fame. If, for anyone who knows what I'm talking about. It's actually got a bit of a groove to it. But before you get the wrong impression that I'm about to say something <laughs> positive, it's no, never kind of going nowhere. It's a it's a groove that goes nowhere. So is a groove that goes nowhere still groovy? That's it a question is. for another show. Uh, I don't know what's going on again. By this stage, I'm over this album. I don't even want to continue listening to it. And the only reason I did was because we were going to talk about it. So uh, with that, Captain, the floor is yours. There's not
3: much to this track, I can admit. You've got... The steals on backing vocals, but they're not really utilised very well. They don't do a lot, but they're there. Uh, you've got Eric Leeds on saxophone, but again, he doesn't do a lot. Uh, more production by my guy, Keith Cohen. So you can't fault the production on this track, no matter the quality of the, the song itself. That man can do no wrong in your eyes, can't he? He cannot. <laughs> no matter what the song, the production's great.
2: We have to get KC on the show. That, that's not even an option anymore. He's coming on the show. <laughs> KC, where you at? There's a guitar solo. It's really like sloppy
3: guitar playing, which makes me think it's either not Prince or it is Prince and he's trying to make us think that it's not. <laughs> because it's just every other guitar solo he's put on an album, on, a, on record, on vinyl, it's precise, it's perfect. And this is like really sloppy so, I don't know. I don't know if it was him. or might have been Levi or somebody else. There's some good hornhead stuff in here. But again, it also sounds like samples. I don't know if they were actually on the track or if there's just tapes and tapes of the hornheads in the vault and he just pulls out a few random little
2: bits and throws them on a track. I don't know. But that's all. Thank goodness. Next song. <laughs> it's called Just a Little Lovin'. Just
0: little lovin'.
2: Early in the morning. Ooh, player's singing the song. Let's hand it over to him. See what he's got to say, player. Yes, this was originally called Tasty. Got
0: changed to Just a Little Lovin'. This is the slow groove, nasty funk track. You may have heard it at the start of the Sexy MF video. I love the country guitar solos in this. Only Mm. Prince can make the twang in the guitar so nasty. And it's just not like one guitar, like he doubles it and and, like they interplay with each other. That's a really cool thing about it. That's probably the highlight of this track. Other than the groove, the groove's really nasty, but that guitar solo in the middle of it is really, really Mm. good. The song itself, like I kind of tune out. I just listen to the groove. It's just really good.
2: I am so happy I heard you say those words. I start to tune out because (laughs) when I heard this. For the first and only time, I kind of started falling asleep myself. No. This is not a skipper. It's a sleeper in the worst possible no. way. It puts the listener no. to sleep. This reminds me of Guess Who's Knocking at the Door from the Nigger album that we re- reviewed recently. But only in a really, 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 really distant way. And that's all I got to say about it. Seriously? This is nowhere near a slow jam. It's filler. Toe jam.
1: Mm, i think you need to listen to this one again i mean this isn't a great track let's be honest but i I think of all the tracks you've just completely slammed this is the one you gotta listen to again i think as player said i first heard this in the sexy mf video and so when i got this album i'm like oh that's the song from that it's kind of interesting in in that the drum pattern sometimes it's swung and sometimes it's straight uh it kind of mixes between Mm. the different drum samples which is kind of interesting there's a giggle throughout it, which, again, is really getting quite annoying at this point. You've got that fat and juicy, tasty, which I just laugh every time I hear that because it's just funny. <laughs> um, the groove is actually quite fat, and I, I would really love to hear this as just purely instrumental like it is in a Sexy MF video. Yeah. That'd be cool. The bass is very deep. It kind of reminds me of a similar kind of thing, again, from the GCS album, Groove On, that same kind of thing, which is these second notes being a real low note. Uh, Prince is on the vocal chorus, and I agree with Player. The highlight is the guitar solo at the end, where it's like a three or four part sludgy solo. And I think he's yeah. done that on a few songs. Come on is one that I can think of, and a few other things over the years. Mm. I think what he does is he he does a sludgy kind of solo. Then he does the you know the Camille voice effect and the Bob George voice, where, pitched, he, where he yeah. speeds it up and slows yeah. down, then records a second part. I think that's what he does, and that's how he gets that really cool, sludgy, interesting sounding guitar yep. interwoven thing going on. And it's a really cool thing that he does. The horns are nice and bright with those slow swells as they build up. Yeah, again the problem with this stuff is just Carmen's rap. It's just kind of annoying at this point. But I think MC you should listen to this one again if nothing else. At least just once more. For the music. <sighs> For you, I will do it. Just a little bit of just a little bit of loving.
2: But I'm not gonna listen to it thrice. <laughs> Captain, I'm going to you again to finish off this review because I just have a feeling that you're going to have a lot to say about it. Am I right? You really need
3: to listen to this track again. Okay. Because it's the second best track on this album. I might agree with that. (sighs) Ooh, wow. You got some more James Brown samples all over this album, but this song is great. It's just this laid-back country vibe. Yeah. Hornheads all over it sounding perfect as usual. And I've always been torn whether I can hear Prince on the chorus or not. Like, sometimes I hear it and I'm like, yes, it's him. But then other times I'm like, I think it's Tony.
1: No, there's one part that's definitely him.
3: Yeah, I think it might be one does one and then one does another one because at different times I can hear them both.
2: There could be both of them. Who knows? You're confused by whether you can or you can't hear him. How many times have you listened to this album? So many. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
3: So many. But yeah, like Tojem says, there is one where you're sure it's Prince. It's just got that nasally, you can just tell it's him. But then other ones, I'm not so sure. But there's Tony's on there as well, so. There's some nice organ work in here too. Nice organ, which is probably Tommy. Uh, 220, everyone said the great guitar solos. It's so good. You've got Sunny T on the bass. You've got Prince and Levi on guitar. And then probably more overdubbed guitars by Prince. The sound of those guitars is just unbelievable. And MC just mentioned the NPG album before. This song is pretty similar to Johnny, just the music. Hmm. Yeah, I can kind of hear that. The tempo of it, you know, it's the laid-back gangster groove. That's what it is. And yeah, since this was in the Sexy MF video, it's all related to that time. But this is, yeah, second-best song on this album. It's a good one.
2: This episode has been good for my... um. Slightly congested lungs at the moment. A lot of deep breathing, a lot of deep breaths. You just need a little oven early in the morning, MC.
3: That's all you need.
2: Oh, possibly. But breakfast can wait, and don't you forget (laughs) it. Uh, Okay, track number 11 is a segue. Take it away, Capitan. Interesting segue, because it's got a few little horn parts, and it
3: makes me think they could be, considering what the next track is, those just random horn parts could be from the original outtakes of Adore. Yeah, that's what I've written too. I think they are. Which blows my mind. Ooh, From the extended version. Because there's no way they would have got Eric in just to record three seconds. A segue. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we're going to do it for the Carmen album. Just record something. No. (laughs) That was already on record.
2: Captain, you know, that's exactly what happened. He was staying at the Holiday Inn down the road. (laughs) Gets a phone call at 3.38 in the morning. Prince. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so yeah i reckon they could be from the original recordings of a door which is interesting i've written the exact same thing so i think i think we're onto it Yep. it sounds to me like stuff he plays towards the end of a door because yeah i mean without all the music of a door there's a lot of stuff that's just buried that could be just yeah from near the end of that track but you just can't really hear it but here you've got it by itself that's
2: the most mind-blowing thing i've learned
3: i've got something more mind-blowing oh this
1: is the precursor to orgasm.
2: Yes. Excuse me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. Wow. In that he's basically got an old sample for, from, a, from a track. A solo instrument. Like, so this time he's got the sax. Yeah. And he's just put a beach sound behind it. Wow. It's, it's the precursor to orgasm.
3: Wow. Which only came out a year after this. <laughs> One year later.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> I want to know the name, number and address of your dealer today, tonight. <laughs> Send it to me. You've got to learn Carmenese first. Cuz I want the, I want the good stuff.
1: <laughs> Actually no, I mean Eric plays some cool stuff. Like the great Maceo Parker, like Charlie Parker, like John Coltrane. You hear 20 seconds or not even that, you hear 5 seconds and you know immediately it's Eric Leeds.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot of saxophone players that you can't say that about. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Move on to the next song, entitled All That.
3: Captain. This is the 90s remake of A Door, basically. Yep. But the strange thing, in the liner notes it makes no reference directly to the original track, but the musicians and engineers sort of give it away. Yeah. I don't mind this track at all. As usual, I'm not that bothered with the lyrics, but I like the sound of Carmen's voice, and she's not really rapping in this. She's just like talking and whispering, which is nice. Purring, whatever. It's all good. Purring. Uh, and it's good to hear the big change, which comes in at 158. It just sounds a bit clearer, I suppose, because this would have been recorded in digital. Just without all that extra production that Adore had, things just sound clearer on this track. And it's good to hear without mm. everything else over the top of it. The organ,
1: especially, mm. uh, the sign of the Times official CD, like, it's, it's muddy. It's not mastered or mixed. It's very. Muddy, And you hear the organ on this, which is the same part, and you're like, this sounds so much clearer and bigger and fuller. It really whets your appetite to think, wow, they they really could make a really stellar Sign of the Times remastered CD. Well,
3: this Hmm. was the
2: year to do it. (laughs) (laughs) 24 years ago. (laughs) Imagine what the sequel to Carmen Electra's album would sound like. Incredible. (laughs) Oh, don't get me started. The second coming. But like I
3: said on the other track... If you wanted to just tune out Carmen, it's great just to listen to the basic tracks of Adore, which is what this is, before everything else was added on top of it, including Prince's vocals. And of course, the production by my man, Keith Cohen. So, of course it sounds unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That's the reason. But yeah, I like this song. This would be my fourth favorite on this album.
2: All right, all right, all right. Uh, Player, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't really have a lot. It's really karaoke
0: over an instrumental version of a door, mm-hmm. and you know it's slightly updated and urbanized in its sound. I don't know, for the purist out there, having Carmen all over it if it bastardizes <laughs> the original a door track, but
1: it absolutely does. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but. You know, there is those moments like you're you're picking out, like those instruments from the original version. You know, that's what gives you the satisfaction listening to the song. Again, you're tuning out of what Carmen's kind of saying and you're just sort of like your ears are honing in on those instrumental parts, you know. That's where the sweetness is in the track. So that's what I do when I listen to this track. That part of it's good, but as a whole, it doesn't take a
2: door to the next level and improve it. A door will always be a door and then there's this, so... (laughs) And then there's this. <laughs> there it. I love that. There you have it. Toy Jam. what are your thoughts on this track?
1: Uh, just replay Players Review. That's pretty much exactly my
2: thoughts. Okay. <laughs> players Review. Um, anything else to add?
3: I think that just like the first track is sort of Thunder redone. And this is very obviously Adore redone. Again, it's something he wouldn't really do on his own album. But he's quite happy to do that on a side project. And like Toje was saying about Good Duty Girlfriend, it's just sort of this experiment. Well, so is this. It's like, let's take one of my best ballads ever. And, <laughs> and destroy it. Whether he failed or succeeded, he tried to update it, even though it was only, what, well, five years old at this point. And I don't mind it. But even though it was only five years old, Adore always had that,
1: it always sort of harked back to that kind of 60s yeah. soul ballads thing.
3: But it's it was, again, I just think it's interesting that he was doing those sort of experimental things. And we talked about this on a few other things. He'll do these on side projects, but he won't do it on his own album. On the side projects, he could just do whatever he wants, really, which is great.
2: You know what else is great? This song. I'll be real quick. This might actually be the best song on the record, purely on the strength of the Adore connection, the Adore melody lines, the instrumental update. The urbanization, to use player's term. Carmen's getting me hot again. Her voice sounds... Uh, you can fill in those blanks. Great. This is the best performance of her life over one of the best melodies and pieces of music that Prince has ever put together. Therefore, putting those two things together, this is straight up... I mean, Toja mentioned a song called The Sex of It earlier. This is the sex of it. This is pure fire between the sheets. It's happening. It's going down, basically. This song is all that. I mean, that's the title, of course, but it's all that in in more ways than one. How could anyone listen to this and not be impressed? The one redeeming piece of music on this record. And, of course, it references one of the best pieces of music Prince ever put out. So, there you go.
3: Oh, you know what? We kept saying before, oh, this track's from 88, 89. Oh, this is the oldest track on the album. No, this is. This is 86, really.
0: Late 86.
3: Hmm. When he wrote yeah. it? Yeah. So this technically, apart from the update, is the oldest. Wow. There you go. And the best.
0: Funny how that happens. <laughs> You're excluding uh, skin tight. <laughs> that, that would be the oldest. Oh, yes, true.
2: 1974, <laughs> maybe. Yes. All right, Captain. All right. All right. <laughs> Okay, track 13. Go ahead. Give it your all. It's a segue. It, this is only 11 seconds. Mm-hmm. But look
3: at this album. Look at NPG's first album and their second album. Look at the Love Symbol album. He was so into trying to make like a concept album with a storyline and a plot. with Didn't always work, but he was trying. And... I hope one day we can get the Love Symbol album like with the complete unedited segues and that whole story the three chains of gold story which you see a bit more of in the the video but I want that. But this talks about the <laughs> this talks about the Valdez oil spill. And yes. I think that among other things, you know, early 90s that had a big effect on him cuz he talks about that also in a few other things around this time. There's a line in Money Don't Matter Tonight. Like this and the Gulf War, like ninety one had a big impact on him. So that's all.
2: Okay. Anyone else got any comments about the segue before I lose my mind? <laughs> the eleven second segue. <laughs> <laughs> that took eleven minutes to review. <laughs> Final track, this is my house. <laughs> KC, Mr. Keith Cohen, has some instrumental duties on this song. Oh, yeah. So Captain's going to love it. Of course. I really wonder what Player and ToeJam think about it. Is anyone just dying to talk about this?
1: I'm dying to get my review over
2: with. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say the same. I can see your hands up, ToeJam. The penguins are
3: dying in the Valdez oil spill. Come on. (laughs) I'm not going to diss
1: the sentiment, but this is a horrible song fellow earthlings i mean that beginning is <laughs> please tell me this <laughs> yeah and i often find this with some of prince's political songs he, he sets up this us and them like you know you're the ones doing this but you know this is our house kind of thing it's like well yeah i don't know i don't want to get into it the song musically it's just boring and generic and that's my review
2: okay player, i think you are next.
0: Yeah, Toe Gem touched on it. It's the environmental political message song of this album, which is kind of weird because every other track is just like jive talking and garbage and then all of a sudden they've got like some sort of political message at the end of it. It just it's the oddity yeah. of the album. It's like hang on, you you want to actually say yeah.
2: something now. It's the end of the album. No one's paying attention and you wanna send them your message. I'm surprised MC even got this far. Who? <laughs> Apparently, this was intended
0: for my taste solo album, but it somehow Go ended album. up here. And I'm with Toe Jam. Like, by the time this track starts, I'm done. It's kind of a disappointing way to close out
2: this album.
1: Yeah, I think this would have finished a lot better on all that. That would have been a good end to it, yeah.
2: Player just took the words right out of my mouth. It's a disappointing end. Carmen sounds unconvincing singing about all these social issues ironically i think this song sounds like the most princely song on here in the sense that the way it's arranged the groove and just the way the sounds are put together sound the most like <laughs> a solo prince track but it's not yeah i know i'm just saying that's what they sound like and prince's most audible vocal appearance on this album is pretty much on this song uh, yeah i'm not going to repeat what player and to jim said i agree with your comments after everything. I mean, I'm not overly upset because I'm never going to listen to this album again. That's for sure. But I was hoping like with every song that came up next, I was kind of crossing my fingers. You know how every Prince, and this is not a Prince album, but every, even an associated artist album, every Prince associated artist album, even the ones that aren't particularly great, have one banging track, like one nugget of gold. Track seven. And this doesn't really have that (laughs) at all. And I was kind of hoping This Is My House might be. The title didn't sound overly appealing. But, you know, like you compare this to something like Michael Jackson's Heal the World, of which I'm not an overly big fan of either. But Heal the World is an absolute masterpiece of modern social pop song writing. This is utter garbage. (laughs) The garbage in the penguin's throat. Oh, my God. (laughs) The sentiment is great I think social issues are incredibly important But it's hard to take this song for what it is Because it's just got so little going for it It's like often what happens with a hip-hop track I don't know if players going to back me up on this But you can have the best lyricist write the best lyrics And even have a great MC to spit those words into the mic But if the beat is utter rubbish No one's going to listen to it This doesn't have anything going for it So... I think I've waxed negative too long about this. Captain, the floor is yours. Finalise the review of this song. Finalise the review of this album. Wouldn't it
3: be nice if I could finish this whole album review with a positive thing to say about this song? Wouldn't that be nice? Please,
2: we can't end on a negative. Who let Captain go last?
3: (laughs) (coughs) It's not awful. I'll say that. The thing I do like about this track is you've got lyrics by Carmen according to the liner notes. Who knows? but this is Levi Caesar Jr. This track is all his. There you go. Sorry, Levi. And that's why it was funny when you're like, oh, this sounds sounds like Prince and the groove sounds like Prince and the production and I'm like, it's all Levi. Is there any other track that we know of on any Prince or uh, maybe something off MPG albums, who knows? But having said it's yeah, you know, it's it's all Levi. It's not that great. It's just another sort of dancy bloody crappy <laughs> drum programming and there's not that much great about it. Uh, you've got the Steals on backing vocals again, not doing that much. Keith Cohen, he sort of saves it. He, I think he plays some keyboards or guitar or something on here as well. <laughs> Casey saves it. Oh come it. on, you're, you're, really. just, you're stretching, I'm stretching now. <laughs> it
2: we let you get away with a lot, Captain. We've got to end positively.
3: <laughs> some We've got to know. end positively, so that's all we're going to get. Keith Cohen saved this track. <laughs>
2: The end. All credibility has been lost.
3: Oh oh one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Money Don't Matter Tonight has vague lyrics about oil and stuff like that. But again, on a side project, he's just like straight out this is a track about environment. Save the environment. Again, something he wouldn't he's not gonna re- do that obviously on you know, on his own song on an album. So that's just another example of you know, things he will do. Not on his own album, but on someone else's. So yeah, the end. You
2: know what I can say that hopefully will bring the vibe and the positivity level up? Is that Prince is actually, in my estimation, when he wants to be, a great writer of socio-political, let's call it, commentary. Like comparing this to a song like Dear Mr. Man, you can't do. You, can't, you just can't do that because Dear Mr. Man is solid. It just comes across a lot better, whereas this doesn't really work. So it's not to suggest that Prince couldn't write a good social song. He did. He did with We March. He did with uh, Dear Mr. Man. He did with uh, Money Don't Matter Tonight, Live for Love. He had a knack for that, as he had a knack for many things, but this is just not one of those. But, you know, we're kind of beating a dead horse now.
3: But, you know, the difference between those songs that you just mentioned and this is this is just so in your face Mm, uh, this is what I'm telling you. And all the others are like, well, you know, we should do this. We could do this. But this is just like, what the hell are you doing? The kids are, (laughs) you know, the penguins are going to die. It's all your fault. Maybe that's what it is. But all the rest are just sort of, it's just a lot more obvious.
0: Yeah, like, some of the times is like observant commentary, Mm. whereas this is like... Kind of do as I say kind of stuff.
3: Do as I say, not as I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of delivered differently.
3: Yeah, the, the fellow Earthlings line, it sounds like they're
2: making a joke of it. Yeah, something's mm. off, isn't it? Wow, we really slammed it. You did. Are you sure there's not a hidden track that we can talk about to bring the mood back and the vibe back up? You know what there is? There are the remixes, but I've got to
3: say, I don't like any of them.
0: <laughs> they're all samey.
3: Everybody Get On Up was a single. The actual album track of that, I think, is unbelievable. The remixes are terrible. It's like a totally different song. It's horrible.
2: Okay. Oh, oops. Sorry, Carmen. Uh, We're out of time.
3: Let's wrap it up. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Toe Jam, you go. I'll just say I think the album's too long, even though it's only 44 minutes. I think after some length of time, the whole concept of, you know, this very young. Carmen lecture rapping hard over these fat MPG grooves <laughs> wears thin very quickly, and I think this would have been better if it was released without segues and maybe as just like a five track EP or something like that. Yeah, I think you it, could you could have handled an EP. Yeah, I think it could have had more punch and it would have been more interesting as something different. But a full length album, it just it's very hard to listen to this all the way through. I don't think I ever have. Of all the Associated Loudest albums, I think this is the one I've listened to the least. You can't fault him for giving it a go. It's it's something different. He's he was potentially trying to catch something of the time, get something different happening with, you know, a young white girl rapping hard. Like it is it's a different kind of idea, but although it might be a different idea, it didn't really execute very well. So
3: that's pretty much my final thoughts on this album. I'll say what I've got then. I just slot this in ninety 90- ninety 293 as an official Prince album because you know it's not Prince singing lead vocals but a huge majority of the music was performed by him or the MPG he just subbed in another singer rapper and if there is a version that exists of everybody get on up with Prince on vocals I must hear that before I die that would be great I know he did it live on all the act one shows but studio version that's what i want i want to hear him do that whole rap that would be great that would be instantly in my top 20 prince tracks of all time
0: the end play it i got to say that prince around this era was trying to get this female mc thing going he kind of started it with robin power never really took off mm. this kind of took off and then he after this he signed up poet 99 to his label nothing came of that Mm. Even Robin Powell, when you think of it, it's kind of like this yelling rap style. It just never really worked. I think this album doesn't work for a number of reasons, but one of them is just the way it was dragged out for nearly like two years. Mm. And it was in the middle of the Warner Brothers feud. And I think it really took a back seat.
3: It was just another casualty of that
0: whole situation. It was, it was. And it was kind of half assed and... Chopped sat on up the shelf. and pushed back, and yeah, it was just you know, it's just one of those things that was really unfortunate. Probably, if it came out when it intended to, it might have done a bit better, might have been promoted a bit better. I think she was smart enough to leave his camp and get into acting and new modeling and Dennis Rodman and all that sort of stuff. Baywalk. Because if she, yeah, if she did not do that, I think today would be like where the hell is Carmen Electra? Well, like whatever happened to that girl? But I think she was, she was smart enough to know that this wasn't really going anywhere and she transitioned into something else and she's still around and people know who she is. You know, she's probably even more successful now. If you say to you know, people come... Most
3: people don't even know she had an album.
0: That's exactly right. They go, what? She had a CD? Like, they have no idea about this CD. So I think she was smart enough to realise this wasn't really going anywhere and, and transitioned into other things. I like it for the sound of the MPG, like the sound of the music. Um, Nothing against Carmen. I think it's just bad timing.
3: Again, it was just a casualty of, you know, when this was recorded, if this was out, you know, in a month, and if that got out straight away, something might have happened.
0: Yeah, it lost the momentum.
3: And that was just another thing in the list of the things that Prince was just getting pissed off with warner brothers is they just put an album on the shelf for nine months and then by the time it comes out it's just old news
0: but even for prince he loses interest very quickly Mm. so you know for even for him he probably was done with it even more so than warner brothers
3: the day he finished recording it yeah the day he handed it into warner brothers is the day he forgot about it anyway wake up mc
2: Thank you for listening to the Peach and Black podcast. We appreciate your support hitting us up on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff on social media. YouTube. YouTube, as Player said. If you haven't subscribed to the show, which I seriously doubt, then please do so via iTunes. You can also check us out on all the great podcasting platforms, Podbean, Spitcher.
3: Don't we have like an email mailing list thing?
0: We do. How do people get that if they email us at peach and black podcast official at gmail.com we'll uh-huh. add you to list. Yes.
3: because sometimes we might send out a secret thing by email only by email so look out i think we're done just wait for the next episode it's pretty exciting